never given much thought to how I would die. But I hope it's not right after watching these movies. Welcome to a very special episode of Bottom of the Bin. Today, I'm taking Ben on a journey through the Twilight series. A series Ben has dedicated his life to avoiding entirely. Until now. In this episode, we're taking a look at the first three films, Twilight, New Moon, and Eclipse. Welcome to Breaking Ben, Part 1. This harkens back to that wonderful mid-2000s phase. It was just on the cusp of the 2010s, but this movie, the first one anyway, feels very much... A, like a 2000s movie <laughs> oh for sure um before we get too much into the movies themselves um i think we do have to talk about the way it just kind of took over that generation especially uh teenage girls at the time and that there was from teenage boys from like so like my generation i was very much a part of this i hated twilight i had never oh read everybody it. Everybody hated Twilight except teenage girls. Or I, I had never read any of the books. I had never seen any of the movies. But because it was just the thing. And I think what it comes down to is teenage boys want attention from teenage girls. And when there's something else that teenage girls are paying attention to. Um, I, I mean, obviously not all teenage boys. Because some teenage boys are starting to realize that they also like teenage boys. Teenage boys. But um, when there's something that teenage girls are giving so much attention to where it's just like taking over the culture at the time. Like this happened with twilight one direction, Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber. Yeah. yeah. Um, they get, I think it's like a jealousy. Like they want that attention. So they hate that thing. I think that's part of it. Yeah. I, I think it's also just a general resentment for, for all things girly. Like even, even other girls would look at this like, Oh, I don't want to associate with the mainstream because I think, even like there i think as far as like femininity goes we we look at stuff like this as like a prime example of naive tween girls fantasies and i think what many of us forget is that we all like regardless of gender we're all we all go through that phase of of stuff that we enjoy that probably isn't very productive like i'd say if you want a comparison, like for for teenage boys, Transformers. Mm-hmm. Transformers is basically the male equivalent of Twilight. It, it it does is nothing but fluff, and it just caters to the sensibilities of that demographic. Well, another yeah. thing I was thinking about with specifically like books and writers is Agatha Christie. She's considered like this classic uh, fantasy or not fantasy uh, mystery writer, and she's written all these great Murder on the Orient Express, all of those. Uh, classic mystery novels but she uses the exact same formula in pretty much all of her books so people accuse her of being a hack but if you look at her life stuff you should know did a really great episode about this um the reason why she kind of started writing she never like dreamed of being a writer it was um she got married and you know at that time you know it's just kind of the culture your husband is the one who provides for you and her husband was kind of an Mm -hmm. idiot and wasn't really able to make a living and provide for her so she's like i gotta support myself financially and she started writing with the purpose of i want to write something that's going to 
sell enough copies to support myself. That was her goal going <laughs> into it. And not that she wasn't creative at all, but she just kind of found this formula that worked really well and right. people liked it. And I think that's fine. Like it's, yeah. it's, and I think that you can say the same thing about Twilight is that it's written with the intention of selling copies and being popular. Yeah. And, and there's nothing wrong with kind of approaching something with that kind of business mindset. Yeah. And I mean, not to say that there isn't any personal attachment to it. I'm sure Stephanie Meyer poured her heart and soul into this story, but I think like, as far as those people that that bash on her for, for writing a book that resonated really well with teenage girls, it's like whatever. I mean, this this kind of thing is it's it, it is just like Justin Bieber in One Direction. It's it's a phase, and you know she was able to capitalize on that. I think if we're gonna get mad at anybody, it's probably um, uh, E. L. James for basically taking that and making something even worse. Like a permutation in, in in Fifty Shades of Grey. If you really want something to really to really get upset about that, and that Fifty Shades of Grey, like Twilight looks so innocent compared to that. Um, yeah, and I I just like there's a really great video um, by um, Lindsay Ellis about all this hate on Stephanie Meyer is just not really warranted. Right. She just wrote a popular book. Yeah, and and you and it's not yeah. saying you have to like Twilight. Like you can. Oh no! You can. This dis- is we're not we're not for Twilight yeah, here. We're yeah, just being- we're, we're we're basically saying Twilight bashing is bad, and then we're gonna get into it and bash Twilight. Um, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you can dislike Twilight without hating mm-hmm. Stephanie Meyer as a person. Yeah. Well, and it's it's not to say like that, that this kind of stuff is immune to criticism just because it's for teenage girls because there is a lot of uh, so bad it's good entertainment in the in these movies um and i'd say especially the first one um i'd say i'd say the first one is like you can you can watch that and then and then just drop it from there and it's just fine (laughs) it's when it as the series goes on it gets more and more uh complicated and, and boring but for now let's just focus on um the 2009 smash hit the the watershed for all the uh, teen romance uh, horror monster movies and tv shows <laughs> yes that scene when she walks into the classroom and she first sees edward and there is conveniently a fan just like i guess to keep the classroom cool but it's really there to blow Kristen stewart's hair <laughs> Yeah. So that she has that, you know, her hair is blowing in the wind look and they're looking at each other and it's like they're purring <laughs> and they're just looking at each other. And it's the most laughable kind of thing. And I'm like, OK, this might be enjoyable because it's so the exact opposite of subtle. It's it's because a lot of movies <laughs> when there's sexual tension, it's like they kind of play it subtly. This one is this movie is wall to wall sexual tension. Yes. And and it's so funny at that first scene because everybody knows about uh, Robert Pattinson's distaste for Twilight. I think he was only in it for the check. So when he, when you see him in that first scene and he like he's retching at the sight of Bella, it's like I I was thinking oh that's he's just trolling the camera. <laughs> they just forgot to to edit that scene out. So I guess 
what's the, I guess everybody knows what the what the story is. It's like uh, t- whiny teen. Oh, she's not whiny. She's more like boring in every conceivable way. Mm-hmm. Um, boring young uh, teenage girl moves to the new town, and uh, there's this group of weirdos. Then she's fascinated with the one weirdo, Edward Cullen. But he's not very fascinated with her. In fact, she seems to be disgusting him. So that just makes her want him more. And then as as she starts to um, obsess over him, she learns a very interesting truth that he is, in fact, a vampire. Yes. Um, that It's that classic, yeah. the person you like turns out to be a vampire story. Absolutely. We've all, well, we've all not... been there. We've all been there. It's Well, you know what? I, I'm sure... Um, many of us can can empathize where where we, we fall in love with someone and it turns out they're a blood sucking monster, <laughs> you know. Only this this type of vampire is a very specific and a very romantic kind of vampire. Like instead of burning in the sunlight, he sparkles. Yeah. Um, instead of drinking blood. He and his family are they only eat animals well and it's it's funny when he takes her into like he's like i'm gonna go into sunlight so you see what i look like when i'm in the sunlight and for some reason they have to climb a mountain to do that i don't think you have to climb a mountain (laughs) to get to sunlight normally well i guess the idea is that it's always overcast and in forks like it's a, yeah if you if you can't tell by by just the obnoxious blue color grading i feel like shooting this movie like they would have had to just be like oh we can't shoot today it's sunny so many times no no they do it like if they if if they have to do day for night shooting that's totally fine because they're just gonna really put in that blue color grading. oh yeah and yeah this is the only movie in the series that does that so this one stands out it's really interesting when you get to the next films where it's just like out of nowhere is like all the lighting is back to normal. But mm-hmm. I guess because they're not hiding in the shadows anymore as much. I don't know. I was watching this with subtitles and I can't remember which scene this was in, but there was one point where the subtitle said in like brackets, exhales awkwardly. <laughs> I'm like, that's the best title ever. Subtitle ever. That you could make a drinking game out of how many times Bella exhales awkwardly. Yeah. Like that especially in the first one. Especially in the first one. She's just always like every single line. And I wonder if that's just her instinct as an actor because of just how ridiculous the script is. She just has to make everything sound awkward so that oh oh, that's an awkward line. Well, that's because she's an awkward character. <laughs> that's why she's doing it. Right. But when they go to the mountain and like he's like, I'm gonna show you what I look like uh in real life, like it, when I'm in the sunlight, I'm like expecting, you know, he's gonna turn into like this horrifying, like <laughs> giant bat monster. But instead right. his skin nope. just starts sparkling a little bit. He's just a big old diamond. <laughs> And he's like, this is the skin of a killer. <laughs> yeah, it's so stupid. Mm-hmm. Okay, why does Edward still go to school if he's 104 years old? It's a cover, I think. But, like, it's, does that mean he's been there, like, all these years? And Aren't people going to be like, they keep why moving. hasn't he? They, they move around. But they, they say that they've, they've been in this town for a while because they, they say people are talking about how the doctor, her, his dad, is like they have to leave because people are starting to realize he looks 10 years younger than he should be. 
That's later. That's that's in New Moon. Right. Yeah. But they are like they've they seem to have been in this town for a while. So and he's still in high school. Well, so yeah, and like they they keep going to high school over and over. Like you can see the graduation caps that they have just on display there. He he must just have the whole curriculum memorized by now. And that I mean that pops up in New Moon where where they're doing Romeo and Juliet and he ha- and then the teacher's like, "Can you recite Romeo and Juliet?" and he does it ad verbatim. I found with wa- the first one, there's so many like little awkward little things that I don't even know how much direction these people are given. Like like out of nowhere, Charlie and Billy Black, who's um, Jacob's dad, they start shadow boxing in the background. Wait, <laughs> so they... really? Yeah, like it, it, like when uh, when we first meet Jacob, oh, and okay. and, uh, and his dad, they're ju- they just for like ten seconds just go out into the street and just like <laughs> like fake punching each other, and it's just that. so random. Um, they actually, I, I I haven't seen the whole movie, but the, the um, that like scary movie parody uh vampire suck they take that scene and and then they just have them actually like beating each other <laughs> up it's just it's so random and then when bella like when she uh, pulls her car up uh, into the school parking lot that one douchebag is like nice ride and she's like thanks and then some rando extra just goes <laughs> good one <laughs> like he just gave her a sick burn nice ride that's the flavor of this movie is it's just one awkward line after the other. I want to talk about Kristen Stewart because people – she gets a lot of hate for being a terrible actress. I don't. She's not. Uh, yeah, I don't think she's doing, a, like, bad acting in this movie. I think she's just doing the kind of acting that exists in this movie, right? Like, no <laughs> one's – this movie, you're not – it's a vampire movie. You have to do that kind of, like – goth i don't know if it's i I don't know if it's the fact that it's a vampire movie though i think it's just the fact that it's a teen romance like uh, the demographic i think really speaks for that for what kind of acting right like anna kendrick is in this is in this movie and i actually i had no idea she was in twilight and apparently (laughs) neither did she she tweeted like a couple years ago I i just looked this up she tweeted like holy shit i completely forgot i was in twilight (laughs) <laughs> um but that's like, very much in her character and 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 for what it's worth i think like as far as the like cringe humor in this movie which is one of the best qualities with yeah. this if you're gonna get any entertainment value out of it um this is made for drinking games like <laughs> drink every, take a shot every time uh bella exhales awkwardly <laughs> um uh, but she, Anna Kendrick, I think, sells the awkwardness the best because she she clearly knows how to how to riff and and play off like the the quirky um, side girl character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You were you were gonna we were gonna talk about Kristen Stewart. Yeah, yeah. I think that she's just like lo- low energy doesn't always mean a bad performance because I think acting ultimately what it comes down to is do you believe that this person is the character that they're playing. And yeah, and I do. I do in this movie. I believe that Bella is a selfish, um, insecure, stupid, um, well, <laughs> reckless um, and uh, hormonally charged young girl. And I think that that serves its purpose fine for the demographic because she is a uh, stand in. Like a like an an insert character. I don't know if it's to be a self insert because that would mean we'd be talking about Stephanie Meyer inserting herself in the story. I don't know about all that. Um, 
but as far as girls being able to place themselves in this movie, um, as an example, I'll tell you this. My sister, she dragged her now husband to see this movie three times, <laughs> at least at least three times. Um, so I think it. I think she did her job just fine. It's just like when you look at the grand scheme of things, like when you when you break down a character, you talk about like their wants, their goal, their what is it that they're trying to achieve throughout the the course of this series. And when you really break it down, all Bella wants is to be a vampire and fuck a vampire. <laughs> um, and everything else, like she doesn't have any like other interests like she talks about like going to to school for science but that doesn't really play into anything it's i think it really is just the like when her parents ask what are you gonna do with your life it's like well science is like no she wants to study chemistry with with edward yeah, <laughs> yeah um yeah. yeah it is kind of weird i, I almost wish that there was sort of i mean she there is a sacrifice that she's making in this choice because she's having to leave she doesn't care though but she she is having to leave her whole family behind and that's difficult for her and that comes up in the later movies um right but yeah it's you don't get enough of a sense of she's having to leave her current life behind if she's going to choose this thing to be with edward and right. and yeah, that's something that choice comes down like kind of later on. And I mean, I yeah. I still haven't seen the last two. This is going to be a two part episode. Um, I yeah. I haven't seen either of the Breaking Dawns. Um, <laughs> so I actually don't know ultimately how this ends. And I've gone back and forth between Team Jacob and Team Edward so far. I haven't made my mind up yet. <laughs> I'm I'm very indifferent. I mean, having I, I've watched all these for whatever reason and. Before rewatching this, I was kind of thinking of the Twilight series in the same way I think of the the um, Pirates of the Caribbean series. Okay. <laughs> Not that they're the same quality. I'm saying that the that the first one functions just fine. Yeah. Um, on its own, um, and then after it was incredibly successful, they realized they had to milk it for everything it was worth. Okay. Um, yeah. And I. And I want to say that's what Stephanie Meyer did with this was like she, the first one was really successful. First book was really successful. And it's like, oh, need more of these. And then she constructs this whole um, all this really weird world building that um, moves very, very slowly because I don't think she knows how to properly construct tension other than to just draw the story out as long as possible. And that and that is very much the same with with pirates, except pirates is very much the opposite, where it's bloated with with uh, world building. It just gets so over complicated. And as far as like visual effects with Twilight, um, I'd say it's this this funniest and strangest thing about it is that the first one I think has aged the best. <laughs> Maybe because they didn't really attempt as much, like. Yeah, yeah, you don't see the werewolves. No, no, the werewolves um, look awful. <laughs> I mean, they do. in a in a fun way though. Um, it's it's not like sci-fi channel bad, but it is like, like it feels at least five years o- older than what it should be. Um, I will say this though, as bad as they are, they still have more emotion than the lions in the Lion King remake. 
<laughs> you will seize any opportunity to bash the Lion King remake. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know how people were like, still a better love story than Twilight. It's like still more emotion than the Lion King. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were, we were talking about Team Edward, Team Jacob. Um, at least in this one, our focus is, is on Edward. Um, and Edward displays some wonderful traits as a uh, love interest. First, he gaslights Bella. Um, he stalks her. Um, he uh, watches her sleep. He gets angry at her. Um, hey, he was protecting yeah, her. Yeah, well, you know what? That's what all angry guys say. Oh, I'm just protecting you. It's like, oh, he's just going to legitimize that. It's like, and and that's, that is a toxic trope in, in movies. It is, yeah. yeah. The, the whole um, kidnapping for the sake of, of protecting uh, character yeah it's it's toxic and and as far as like their connection ben this is the first time you've seen this movie um congratulations uh what <laughs> what would you say bella and edward have in common um uh, not really not much not um much. they're both pretty pale um <laughs> I mean, well, they're both very, like, they both keep to themselves. Um, I mean, Bella is kind of a human vampire. <laughs> Everywhere she goes, she just sucks the life out of things. But I feel like that's just everyone. Like, her dad is is definitely a low energy. Everybody is just so low energy in this movie, except except Anna Kendrick. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the visual effects. When the visual effects kick in with these movies, it's just bananas. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. They seem to have sort of a filmmaking formula too, which is they like the aerial shots. They like the where you're looking down on either it's someone lying down or it's like they're just like getting into their car and it'll be like the camera top down. Mm. Um, and they like to do shots that like if like there's something going on where there's like a fight or people are arguing, they like to do this instead of the – Usually you'll do like a you'll cut from one side and then cut to the other. Um, they like to do like the camera pans around the whole thing. Mm. Like there's a lot of kind of things I noticed that they do a lot. It's in... not it's not action filmmaking. It's fantasy filmmaking. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The sweeping angles and all that stuff. It also uh, succumbs to that wonderful trope of the uh, 2000s, is the internet research montage. Oh yeah. And I love that she. This just seems it wouldn't have been as ridiculous in like two in the early two thousands, but now that she drives to another town to buy a book, <laughs> right? It was Amazon not a thing? No, well, I. It, it. You know what? I think it's like, oh, we can't find this book online. I have to go to a actual place where they keep all mm-hmm. these books. Um, you know, like you like Ash in Evil Dead didn't find a pdf of the book of the dead (laughs) it was in some guy's basement it's funny when she's like doing the research um about vampires and you get all those flashbacks of things we saw like two minutes ago like where she touches edward's hand and it's cold and she's reading the thing it says cold one and then she oh, says yeah. aloud to herself, cold one. Like, for the people that can't read, I guess. <laughs> Do these movies really exist for all the teen girls that just didn't want to read the books? The other trope that kind of just pops up in this movie, I mean, there's, I'm sure there's lots of tropes, but the one I noticed was um, when the her dad, who is, uh, like, the chief of police in this town, when he first starts talking about, oh, yeah, this 
security guard at the mall was found dead. Uh, it seems like he was killed by animals. And she's like, animals? And she's like, you're not in whatever big city she's from anymore. It's the small town chief of police. Nothing bad ever happens here. Right. Trope. You know, Charlie is a real... Um got a got a shout out for, give a shout out for charlie because he's just he's just rolling with the punches in this series he's just like i just want to have a nice quiet life with my daughter and it's like oh bear attacks and oh now is werewolves and vampires like, yeah yeah it, 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 the story should really be about charlie and all the shit. Oh, yeah, he has that's to, that'll has to be put the Twilight reboot. Is it'll be all from Charlie's perspective. Well, they're doing it like they've done. There's the book where they switch genders and uh, between Edward and and Bella, and then the and now there's the one Midnight Sun, which is now from Edward's perspective. So, all right. Well, we are out of our twenty minutes for the first Twilight. I I just want to say one more thing here. Okay. Or two more things, sorry. So there's a scene where Edward plays Debussy for Bella. And mm-hmm. I'm betting you there's some girl out there that's studying music, that's has a profession in music, who was introduced to Debussy through Twilight. Also, there's a scene where we see Charlie drinking. And I want to say it's way too early for him to be drinking. But with all this teal color grading, I have no idea what time of day it's supposed to be. <laughs> Very fair. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back to talk about New Moon. And we're back. Welcome back, Ben. Did you have a nice break? Oh, it was great. A full um, two seconds. Yeah, I folded some laundry, went for a run. Um, So now on to the second film of this incredible saga, New Moon. It's uh, really engrossing tale that really uh builds so much of the world of twilight now we have a fully developed love triangle between uh an emotionless teenage girl a creepy 109 year old man and a shirtless dude (laughs) i actually want to look up the budget of this movie just give me one moment um uh, so the budget of New Moon was $50 million. Oh, my and God. And did they not have enough money to give Taylor Lautner shirts? <laughs> like, well, that's the, it's impractical because he keeps, whenever he turns to a, into a werewolf, they're just going to rip right off. I guess, but I mean, like, he, he has, what, 40 minutes of screen time in this movie? I think he's wearing a shirt for, like, maybe five minutes. I'm just picturing, like, every day Taylor Lautner, like, going into his trailer being like, okay, let's see what wardrobe has for me today. Oh, look, no shirt again. Great. I think maybe it was a budget. It was a budget cut. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we, we we can't afford this many uh, shirts from Goodwill, so you're going to have to go shirtless today, bud. <laughs> but again, just like um, Bella being this just placeholder for for all the horny teenage girls – I'd say that it was very much a conscious choice. It's it's kind of like how in every Marvel movie there's a there's an obligatory shirtless scene from our from the lead hero. That's true. Something that just goes to show how uninterested I was in this movie is I started making all of these notes, everything I could figure about out about when they go to the movies and they see a movie called Face Shot. No, Face Punch. Face Punch, right? Yes, Face Punch. Face punch. So this is, this is what I've been able to kind of deduce about the movie Face Punch, okay? So 
it's described as an action movie with guns and adrenalines. And the one guy does an impression of the trailer. He goes, the trailer is like, boom, boom, punch faces. There's And then we can it's also Already way more interesting than what we're watching. <laughs> we can assume it's rated R because uh, Taylor Lautner's not old enough to buy a ticket. And here's the thing, though. The dialogue, when you're they're sitting in the theater, you hear some of the dialogue. Someone goes, put your gun down. And then the other one goes, put your gun down or I'm going to blow your freaking head off. And then both of you put your guns down or I'm going to blow your freaking heads off. And what kind of R-rated movie has the line, frickin'. I'm going to blow your freaking head off? Uh, an R-rated movie that needs to be in a PG-13 movie. <laughs> Angels with Filthy Souls in Home Alone has more colorful language than Face Punch. Yeah. <laughs> Not going to lie, I would like to see a, someone like make Face Punch a movie. It's so funny in that scene with because it's it's Bella and then the two guys and it's all it's friends under the pretense they're all friends, but both of them have their hands just laid out for her yeah. to, to grab and in the end she just friend zones them both. Um and it's so funny uh, when um, What's-His-Face leaves because he's like, he, he gets sick from the movie. And then Jacob has that line, what a marshmallow. <laughs> you know what I will say about this movie, though, is the scene when Edward talks to Bella and he's like, I have to leave. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to come. That actually, like, struck me. Like, I actually got emotional <laughs> there. I'm oh, like, wow. oh, wow, this is actually, like, because you can see – how hard it is for both of them. I, I see. I don't know if I could because they they're always in that emotional state of like, don't leave me, don't leave me. So for me, it just didn't feel very like. For me, it was just like, oh, we gotta drag this. Either we either we gotta drag this uh, series out as much as we can, or Robert Pattinson really just wants to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and right, so if you're just kind of if you haven't seen or read uh new moon basically what's happening in the movie is the collins decide that they have to leave because they're kind of going to get their cover blown because people are realizing they're not aging um which comes so out of nowhere to... I, I i don't really know what the scene is where, where it's like oh, we gotta go like there's yeah it just feels like he just says it it's like oh sorry gotta bounce yeah, like you'd yeah. think there would be some sort of urgent, we have to leave now, yeah. rather than, yeah, we should probably get out of here soon, is what they seem to be saying. But we can we can f- figure out our, the best way to move. But They needed a scene of somebody blowing their cover. Right. So Bella is heartbroken, and she slips into what I want to say is a very um, not the most responsible portrayal of mental illness i've seen in movies yeah, yeah. it's kind of stig- stigmatizing she essentially goes through like a, a year-long mourning period yeah and they do that shot where it's like it shows her looking out the window and it says october and then the camera pans yeah behind her and then it pans like in front of her and then it says november and it's one shot she's still sitting there but now it's like there's leaves outside yeah and then it says december and there's snow um and I was like, okay, why is she? Has she been like just sitting in that chair? Because she's wearing the same clothes <laughs> in all three shots. 
it's so it's to sell the feeling. Has she it's never the, the, gotten like, changed or had a shower? Well, it, it's like when you when you think about the passage of time and like everything kind of yeah. conflates. It's so it's probably not supposed to be interpreted literally. It's more like she just feels like it, she's just been sitting there forever. And I have had seasons in my life where it's been just like I've just been like I can't mm-hmm. function, and it's just it's been, quarantine. That's and it did kind of feel like I've just been sitting in my room forever. Yeah, quarantine's kind of like that. Anyway, she's heartbroken, and then Jacob kind of comes into the scene basically as a rebound. So my first thought when I was watching this movie is this movie made me kind of lean Team Edward because I'm like, well, Jacob's just a rebound. Um, He's a rebound, but, but the... he also presents a, a a better alternative as far as like like the whole losing your soul and craving blood kind of thing. <laughs> Exactly, and the kind of the third one made me realize that more, and I'm like, okay, maybe I am Team Jacob. I don't know. Yeah. I'm still undecided. We'll see what the next two offer. I I think Edward and Jacob should just <laughs> they, they they deserve each other, and then they and then um, Bella can just fuck off. <laughs> yeah, why can't Bella have feelings for a you know a human? Well, why does anyone have feelings for Bella? Like she's just so boring. Right. I don't understand. Like like the real it's i think for all of these characters it's just well she's different she's god she's She's, well she's the new girl so it's like she doesn't know anything about anybody so it's like a clean slate that's why everybody's crushing on her at school at least one thing i wanted to mention earlier we're talking about that scene that made you weirdly emotional um where, where edward is gonna leave so bella goes i'm coming and then he says bella i don't want you to come and that feels very in line with the themes of this mo- movie series, abstinence. <laughs> this whole series yeah. is about abstinence, Ben. It's it's all about um, controlling your urges and waiting till marriage. Yeah. Yep. Very much so. Um, Did I just blow your mind there? Not at all. <laughs> I I came to that same conclusion. Wonderful. Yeah, I guess the other thing that kind of goes through uh, Bella emotionally in this movie is that she starts craving some sort of adrenaline because I guess that's what she had when she was with Edward is that it's like it's all this, you know, does he love me or does he want to kill me? It's that I don't know. Yeah. So she she starts looking for other outlets to Mm -hmm. fulfill that adrenaline. So she becomes like an adrenaline junkie. Yeah this whole movie has the undercurrent of Romeo and Juliet. Like they keep bringing that up um, as, as part of the themes. And I think it works at, at least if you want, if you, if you're wanting to interpret this as toxic as like Bella and Edward shouldn't like, they're not very good for each other. Um, uh, y- you can read that in the same way. Like Romeo and Juliet isn't really a romance it's a tragedy like mm-hmm. about about two teenagers that just get way over their heads with with their hormones so um you can you can read that into it i think it's just that with how influential this this whole series was there is still the the toxic stuff that you know hopefully somebody can explain to, to teenage girls is not the way to go about things like like when Bella, I feel I think she was like trying to get Edward's attention or something. I think because she knows that 
so so Edward has that um, not a not a birth sister, but like they're all part of that family, the Collins. Alice, who can see the future and like and like she's an empath, I guess. Um, so Bella jumps off a cliff, I think, to get their attention. And it's like, what kind of message is that to send yeah. to girls? It's like, if your ex-boyfriend is ignoring you, just try to kill yourself and he'll come back. I think people are able to go, okay, this is just a book. This is just a movie. Right. Right. I, I, I would assume at least the smart ones can, can look, right, at, yeah. look at that and can analyze. As far as the staying power of Twilight, I think it really is just like, the best thing you can get out of it is the cringe is the like, Oh wow. I can't believe we were into this kind of thing. Um, and it really is just glorious trash. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's not that it's completely unself-aware because like Anna Kendrick even has that line the first time that like, just, just um, Bella and Anna Kendrick's character go to see a movie together and, she has that line afterwards where she's like, I don't know why you want to sit through all those zombies eating people and no hot guys kissing people. It's <laughs> gross. Like, why are there so many zombie movies anyway? If it's supposed to draw a parallel about leprosy, my cousin had leprosy. It's not funny. And like, is it That's supposed definitely to be a metaphor for consumerism? Because to be pleased with your own self-reverential cleverness, you know? But that seems to kind of be like about Twilight in a way. I'm sure there were a number of people in, in the production that were in on the joke or at least, like, aware of how, like, of, of the reputation of Twilight. And so, you know, it's trying to slip that in, especially something that is definitely improv on Anna Kendrick's part. It's like, ah, fine, we'll throw throw him a bone. But it is, it is funny when you have lines like, like at the beginning of New Moon, um, uh, Bella has that line when she's talking to Edward. It's like, maybe I shouldn't be dating such an old man. It's gross. I should be thoroughly repulsed. And I guess that really tells you what the the kind of relationship they're in and what this romance is. Is that it's not, it's not a true romance. It's 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 animal attraction, is all this is. Yeah, and so I feel like. I mean, I don't know, again, how this goes on in the Breaking Dawn parts of the story. <laughs> oh, but, boy. Um, oh, boy. I'm like, I, I the, the, what I see with both, with Bella, with both Edward and Jacob, is I see, like, a high school thing that's very passionate. Yep. I don't see it really lasting for... I don't see it going to college. And I definitely don't see it something that will last for eternity if she chooses to become immortal and right it's it's a very simplified vision of romance and that i mean that fits in line with the mentality of teenagers it's like oh we're gonna be we're gonna get married after high school and it's gonna be have seven babies and it's gonna be (laughs) magical and all that stuff so it's um not it's there's not really any nuance to this and yeah i mean i guess that's our analysis on on the psychology of this of this series yeah and maybe that's where the resentment for this series comes in is is just like um because it is so childish and it's like why would anybody put money into this you know but 
And I think we've all been at that stage where we just enjoy really s- stupid shit, like, like mm-hmm. s- Space Jam. Do I need to say any more? <laughs> but yeah, and and I don't know. I think there is there is an underlying sexism to to the stuff that people like bring up as nostalgic. Like I think I think a lot of times the boyish stuff does get more of a pass than this and this kind of stuff. And, you know, whatever floats your boat, right? And, like, I mean, I watched, I remember I watched this movie, like, on DVD the year after it came. The first one, I mean. Um, Okay. And I was like, eh, all right, whatever. But, you know, it's just, like, can you say, like, when you were little, you always watched, like, the the auteur cinema, that kind of stuff? No, no, of course not. So, so we were all at that point. All right, we're gonna go for another break. Here's a, a commercial for uh, silence, and we're back. Welcome back, Ben, uh, to the third part of uh, of the Twilight series. Um, it only gets better from here. Woohoo! Uh- it, yeah, it's funny. So Eclipse is the third one. And kind of through um, – when I watched Breaking Dawn, I was like, okay, Breaking so, Dawn? You haven't watched Breaking or Dawn. Or I mean I, – I, I can't remember the titles of these. When I watched the second one, whatever the second one is called. New Moon. <laughs> New Moon, right. Um, And they, they kind of – it goes from Edward is the main focus to now, oh, Edward is – and now we kind of get more of a focus on Jacob – and then Edward isn't in the second one quite as much. Yep. I was like, okay, I kind of want to see what that dynamic's going to be like when Jacob and Edward have to start, you know, working together more or being together more. And that's what happens in this one is them having to l- learn to put their own beef behind, rivalry yeah. aside to care for Bella and to uh, defeat a shared enemy. Or they could just, you know, fuck each other. And <laughs> I think everybody would be happy. <laughs> Screw Bella. Like, and I remember thinking through the first two, I just, I kind of want to see more of that, more of them having to work yep. on their relationship with each other. Um, and then I did see it, and I, I want to say so far, this one is was the most boring. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, like it was, it just felt like nothing happened through the entire movie. Well, they go through. I, I watched like half of this <laughs> before we before we talk about it. But but there is a point to be made about just how little happens in this movie. I have seen this all the way through, but most of it is uh flashbacks to uh develop the backstory of the Cullens. Yeah, pretty much everyone has to give away their backstory in this movie. Yeah. And apart from that you have this like build up of of a vampire war because Edward and Alice, who um, both have inexplicable powers of uh, so so uh, Edward can read people's minds and Alice can see into the future, and so you have this cult leader Arrow, um, uh, who's played brilliantly by yeah Michael Sheen, who is um, who is our uh, cackling Palpatine of the series. <laughs> We haven't quite gotten to his his magnum opus performance, but um, but in this one he is um, they're they're trying to start a war because 
at, according to the Collins, if Edward and Alice won't join uh, the Volturi, which is the big, like, evil cult um, uh, vampires, unless their family is killed. So they're going to start a war, and then that's going to kill the Collins. And uh, it's so boring. <laughs> it is. For, what, for all the stuff that I just described, it, it, this is, like... It's a very slow movie, and I think a lot of it, a lot of that comes down to a very low energy from the whole cast. Everybody's just sulking a lot of the time, and it's just the, this whole thing of Bella wanting to become a vampire, and everyone's like, no, don't do it. Don't become a vampire. And that's just the whole series is, I want to be a vampire. Don't, but I want to. It's so much buildup for really what is just a big inconsequential battle at the end yeah it's and, and they set up the battle too where they're like that all through the movie they're like there's going to be a whole army of vampires yeah, and newborns. it's going to be us versus them and we got to prepare ourselves we got to partner with the wolves and then the battle comes and i was expecting like a big like lord of the rings <laughs> style and it's just okay i guess i guess there's a bit of a it wasn't it, it wasn't quite return of the king it was <laughs> it wasn't quite helm's deep it was um i don't know it the, was more like if i don't know do like is there like in the fellowship of the ring where like two of the hobbits get in a little fight at the <laughs> that, shire a little scrap in the shire yeah like maybe mary and pippin just had a little disagreement oh <laughs> this you just committed sacrilege <laughs> comparing lord of the rings to <laughs> to twilight oh my goodness there's some there's some teenage girl out there it's like they've seen all the twilight movies but haven't seen a single lord of the rings movie that just makes me sad (laughs) so when we're doing the backstories and all that we get to rosalie who is the uh, bitter uh, sister character who's always resented bella and her story is actually pretty badass of like how she was with a guy and like like um, 1920s or something and and he turns out to be a sleazeball and then him and his dr- friends get drunk and um i guess like gangbanger in the street and then i guess so carlisle the leader of their the collins finds her and makes makes her a vampire and then she exacts her revenge that should have been the series Yes. Because that is actually like you, because you understand her plight. It's one of those good for her kind of stories. <laughs> Can put that next to like Us and Midsummer as just a good old revenge horror film. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, well, maybe that's, maybe that'll still happen. It might. They'll make the spin off. Yeah. <laughs> they got to do the whole like Wizarding World approach. You know, we got to milk mm. everything. From this series. Well, I mean, in about it's been what ten years since Twilight. Yeah. So we have about twenty more years until it's the thirty-year nostalgia. But at True. that point, they might well it, it go that way. It really just—it's a question of when does the when does the target group demographic of the time uh, grow up to have disposable income? So I think right. even now is like, I mean, that's maybe why they released Midnight Sun at this time. It was just like same with with Hunger Games. They released that. Um, uh, one where it's from the perspective of a president snow it's a prequel and that uh, that did pretty well from what i've heard mm-hmm. um so yeah it really is it's all calculated this is all just a big big uh numbers game 
Yeah. We saw in New Moon the tone of violence in these movies. Really clever on the part of, of Stephanie Meyer writing that the vampires do not shed blood when they are decapitated. They're basically, right. they're basically porcelain. So when someone like rips their head off, it's like they've they've broken a china doll. Yeah, um, and which kind of buys into the idea that hey, maybe Bella shouldn't become a vampire because right. are they alive? Right, and and do they have like a consciousness? Yeah, and like she she tries to look at it as like from the morality of it that like say carlisle if you're looking at an alignment chart carlisle is lawful good and that's like the purest of of the uh, alignment chart i i i this isn't a spoiler because i haven't seen the other two but i feel very strongly that carlisle is going to die mm-hmm. he's the uncle ben exactly yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I actually can't even remember <laughs> who dies who lives who dies who tells their story uh, in this in this amazing um, series, totally worth uh, the twelve hour marathon that I hosted <laughs> for no reason. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Is yesterday I watched not one Twilight movie, not two Twilight movies, but three Twilight movies yep. in a day, and I see why this is called. We're calling this two part episode Breaking Ben because. <laughs> It, it is breaking me. <laughs> I have a good therapist I can uh, get you aligned to. <laughs> <laughs> so when Bella hangs out with the uh, the werewolf clan, which they fortunately don't call the blacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but they share that story about like the this ancient battle between the werewolves and the uh, vampires and the they refer to one of the heroes as Taha Aki. But the real hero is his third wife, who is ceremoniously titled Third Wife. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if you know this, but Stephanie Meyer, the author of this series, is a Mormon. I did not know that. Oh, well, they mentioned that in the video, but I didn't know that before I watched that. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, I'm sure this was just like exercising all of her sexual demons into this, into this uh, story. And that kind of explains why Edward is the way that he is, which I actually think I like about that character. It kind of. What is it? What do you like about that? That he has that kind of purist, I'm not going to sleep with you until you marry me. But also I respect that in him, but I also am like, okay, now you are like, Mm -hmm. marry me, marry me, marry me. And it's like. It almost seems like he just wants to marry her for that. Yeah, and it's I would say that yeah, I mean, sure he's up for commitment, woohoo. Um, but there is still a lot of the, the toxic like the controllingness and the stalking and and yeah, it, it I think with this you understand like like I I don't have much experience with the <laughs> Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But from what I've I've heard, it's like it there is definitely a very male driven culture and um, mm-hmm. women. I and I think in the way this movie portrays them is definitely they are definitely the housewives um, in that culture. So I think that definitely plays into how Stephanie Meyer 
decided to uh, write these characters. Yeah. And, yeah, the, there's a line that uh, when they Bella and Edward go to visit Bella's mom in Florida. Yep. There's a line that she says where she says, the way he watches you, it's like he's willing to leap in front of a bullet or it's like he's willing to leap in front of you and take a bullet or something. Right. And I'm like, is that the subtext of the way he looks at her? <laughs> I think he's thinking something else with the way, the way he looks at her. The way it's written, the characters – we we, we kind of have to take a lot of things from face value with, with how the characters speak about it. And I think that might be why Edward is given the power to read people's minds. Because then it means that Stephanie Meyer doesn't have to write a scene where they have to actually find this information a clever way. But, you know, maybe that's just the benefit of writing fantasy. It's like, oh, don't have to worry about that stuff because it's in fantasy. But, yeah, it's just it is very on the nose. Like, I'll do anything for you kind of stuff. Like it's remembering Inside Out when R- Riley has the uh, the Canadian boyfriend fantasy character. Oh yeah, I would die for Riley. Yeah, like that's what this is. That might be where Riley gets the fantasy. From. I think that's what they were drawing on there. That's the the, the yeah. little, little parody there. Um, but I think this might. I I already compared this to um to Transformers, but. I think Twilight also functions in the same way that Mamma Mia does for um, for middle-aged women. It is a power fantasy. It's, I can be this bland, uninteresting girl, and I can still have these two hot guys lusting over me. <laughs> you know? It's like, maybe maybe the whole idea is that Bella is as boring and and selfish as possible, so that, like, well, if they fell in love with her, then they'd really love me. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, and that's just my attempt at the psychology of this. Like, I'm not, I'm not willing to write this off as just a dumb series because obviously this this was successful. It resonated with people, so there is there is something to it. I don't feel too bad about saying. <laughs> oh, I'm not Twilight saying it's not bad. dumb. I'm, I'm I'm saying like yeah. I'm saying that it was successful, and that there's there would be a reason for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a line in Community where uh, Jeff Winger goes. Um, he's talking about religion, and because there's the one religious character, and he goes, Paul, or, Shirley. Uh, yeah, Shirley. And Jeff Winger says, Shirley goes, religion to me, it's like Paul Rudd. I see the appeal. I would never take it away from anyone, but it's just for me, I'm not gonna have anything to do with it or something like <laughs> that. I mean, I disagree with that assessment of Paul Rudd, and and I actually don't agree with his take on religion but um like i, I sorry i we gotta placate the christian paul rudds in the audience ben yeah really it really um do you want to say it one more time <laughs> yeah. um but that's kind of how i feel about twilight i i see why people like it um i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take twilight away from anyone even though i <laughs> i did try to once <laughs> yeah tell tell us about that you had like a you were like a letter to santa or something like that yes yeah. so i actually I, I i did find it so um so this was i was in grade seven um so i was very much a preteen and this was right when this would have been probably right around the time that the first movie came out and so every girl in my class all they would talk about was twilight um and or my school did like a christmas door decorating thing and my teacher was like how about this how about everyone write like a letter to santa and we'll put them all like they're coming out of a mailbox and you'll have all of like the actual letters from santa on there so this is the letter to santa that i wrote in grade seven it said dear santa 
I don't need any Christmas presents this year. All I want for Christmas is when you stop at all the houses, please take all the Twilight books from each house and burn them. <laughs> all the girls in my class never stop talking about Twilight, and it is very annoying. <laughs> I also think that it distracts from schoolwork. Oh my goodness. Please burn all the Twilight books so the world will not be as bad of a place. <laughs> Sincerely, Ben. And then I put P.S. If you can't do this, a new Nerf gun would be a cool backup. That's very you. That is a very much a, something you would write. <laughs> but I wrote that in grade seven when I hadn't even seen or read any Twilight books or movies. And I. It was just the general ether of it was obnoxious to you. Yeah. The osmosis. And I now on this podcast take it back. <laughs> I take back hating it without having seen it or read it. Now that I've seen three of them. I still don't like it, but <laughs> if you like it, you're allowed to like it. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting, though, Ben, um, to see what your final opinion is after we finish both uh, Breaking Dawn Part 1 and Part 2. Wait, we're not done yet? Oh, no. It's only just begun. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, you're in for a wild ride, my friend. Join us for part two next week. Oh, boy. <laughs> wash your hands. And watch your movies. And watch your necks, because vampires. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.